United States. Pittsburgh is our city of the day. Uh, so just a reminder, quick reminder, those of you who are guests don't know this, but part of what we give every Sunday goes to worthy mission organizations. We have a national and an international mission organization we uh, we support, and right now we're focusing on the national side. So it's church planting, church starting in the United States and Canada through SEND North America, the North American Mission Board. Today's city is Pittsburgh. Uh, so just know part of what we gave today and what we're giving today and what we will give and have given goes to SEND, that, and it's parceled out to all the cities. So, so a little bit of what we've given and what we give today will go to Pittsburgh. Uh, so let's pray because they're probably wrapping up. It's, it's, it's an hour later there, but let's pray for them uh, because they probably have a lot of follow-up to do at the end of their services, meeting people and sharing the gospel. So Lord, we pray for pastors, uh, for churches, for church planters in Pittsburgh. We pray, Lord, and ask that you continue to bless them, bless the gospel as it spreads there. Uh, Lord, bless uh, the, the money that's given through the North American Mission Board and through the SEND network to the SEND cities. And today, Lord, we ask for your blessing over Pittsburgh. So bless them, Lord. Uh, give them conversations after the worship today in all of those settings uh, where they may share the gospel with somebody, Lord, and the, that the gospel and the light of the gospel will go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in 1 Peter 5, 589 in your pew Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 4, we're getting close to the end, so uh, we're, we're getting on the, on the downhill side of 1 Peter. Have you ever been in a place uh, where you suddenly realized you were strange? <laughs> you, you may have felt like you were normal, everything was okay, and all of a sudden you found yourself in a place or a time or a location, and you looked around and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm like a sore thumb here and I stick out. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, <laughs> you're there all the time. Is anybody there right now? You says there could be somebody here right now. They're like, yeah, I'm, I, that's, that's me. Maybe you, you haven't been to church in a long time. You're at church today, and you're like, yeah, wow, it feels weird. So we, I mentioned earlier, we were missionaries in Poland. We were there for eight years. Uh, and when we got there, we moved there with three children. Uh, they were little, one in the stroller, two walking. They had matching purple coats. And we would go out in the city, and people would stare at us. And we realized real quickly we were strange. Because, first of all, we had three kids. Most people in the city, especially in Warsaw, usually had one or none. So three children in Poland was weird. Uh, and even more uncommon was that they were dressed the same. We found out that was, we thought that would be easy to keep track. We'll put them all three in matching purple coats. That was weird. It targeted us as strange. We were strangers and we felt it every day for years because we didn't know the language. We didn't understand the culture. We didn't know the people and we didn't know anything. Uh, as strange as it was for us, it was probably strange for Poles getting to know us, looking at us and going, they're different, they're strange. And so we're talking a little bit about strangeness today. And in fact, I've entitled the message, Are You Strange Enough? Anybody? Are you strange enough? <laughs> You're like, what does that mean? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Let's take a look at page 589, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm getting there. I should have had my Bible already open. Okay, chapter 4, 1 Peter 1 through 6. It says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that passes, that is past, suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, Passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lawless idolatry. 
With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give you they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Heavenly Father, Lord, open this word to our minds today. Lord, you're going to be talking to us a lot about using our minds and allowing our minds to become more like you. May we, Lord, find out what it means today to have the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage begins with a call to arms. Arm yourselves, right? Some of you are like, yes, I get to go to church and be told to arm myself. But listen to what he says. He says, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, that is the way of thinking of Christ. Now let's review quickly. First Peter 3, we talked about last week, uh, just in your Bible. I'm not even sure you have to turn a page, but I'm going to go back one page to chapter 3, 13 through 15, and just remind us something that it says there. It says, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We talked about this two weeks ago. Be prepared to make a defense. Be prepared for the the defense of the hope that you have. But he has another directive for us there, and that is honor Christ the Lord as holy, or in, in other translations, set apart Christ as Lord. But what I want you to capture here is in verse 14, he talked about suffering. And if you read today's, it talks again about suffering. These, these things are intimately connected. So we're going to talk a little bit today about suffering. Peter's reminding you that following Christ will lead to suffering. Being strange for God is not all roses. It's not. There are going to be times of trouble. In fact, Jesus himself guaranteed it. And we're going to read that in a second, but what I want you to understand is that in this journey of finding out who Christ is and turning your will over to him and following his will, it's dangerous because you may have been sold a bill of goods growing up or heard in the church, you you follow Christ, you, you devote yourself to God, and everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be coming up roses, no troubles, no problems. Maybe some of you have tried and followed Christ but come up against stuff that happened and you've doubted and you've questioned, well, I'm a Christ follower. Why would, why would God allow this to happen to me? Why could this terrible thing happen? Listen to what Jesus, he, he warned us because he wanted us to make an informed decision. If you're going to follow me, know this. I have said these things to you, the things, and we're not going to go back to this, John, John 16, 33. We're not going to read what he said, but he's, he's telling the people he spoke to, I've said these things to you that in order that you may have peace, but listen to what he says. In this world, you will have suffering. You will have tribulation, it says in this version, uh, a great deal of trouble or suffering, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we get into these wrong patterns of thinking, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Jesus says there's going to be trouble in this world. There's going to be suffering in this world. If you follow me, there's going to be problems. And the author of 1 Peter has laid some of this out for us today, and we're going to unpack it. Christ followers, you should be prepared for trouble. You should be prepared for suffering. You should be and know that this is part of the cost of following Christ. But look, the writer of 1 Peter doesn't leave us hanging here with no answers. 
He doesn't just say this and then go on and leave us without knowing what to do. He says simply, arm yourselves with the thinking of Christ. Learn to think like Christ. Learn to see things how God sees them. Learn to understand them. Have you ever been in the middle of a situation and you're like, I don't know what's happening here. I've been in some of those in the last couple of months. It's like, I don't know what's going on. People do things, they say stuff, they make decisions or don't make, you know, they don't make choices or, or they make good choices or bad choices. And sometimes you're like, I don't know what's happening here. You ever said this? If I were them, I wouldn't have done it that way, right? Anybody? Do you say that often? I've experienced that. You might recall that Paul said something very similar to this. We read in 1 Peter chapter 4, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves. But Paul said it differently. 2 Corinthians 2, page 560 in your pew Bibles. I'm going to turn in my Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 through 16. It says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, I'm not reading the right chapter. I'm not reading the right book. Here, I'm going to read. Uh, let, let, let me just read it out of here. You're like, you're like, what? That's not right. Okay. Hey, great verse, not the right verse. 2 Corinthians 2, <laughs> 14 through 16, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. We talked a little bit about this in our group on Wednesday. A natural person, that's a person who is outside of Christ. They don't know Christ. They haven't been transformed by Christ. So this is like a word that the writer Paul is using here to describe people who aren't in Christ. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, the spiritual person judges all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. Now, here's where we're headed. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Paul's reminding us, we have this mind, we have this way of thinking, we have this thought process that's been placed in us through regeneration in the Holy Spirit where we now have a new way of thinking. And the author of 1 Peter is reminding us, he, he, when, when he says this, we should remember, oh yeah, Paul said that. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, that is the thinking of the way of Christ. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. He's reminding us, don't forget to think properly. Now, do you guys remember the WWJD bracelets? Anybody? Anybody not know what I'm talking about? Okay, so for a time in the 90s, they had these little rubberized bracelets they would hand out and you would wear them and it had the letters WWJD on it. What would Jesus do? And people would wear them as a reminder to think before they did something stupid. <laughs> They'd look at their wrist and go, yeah, oh yeah. What would Jesus do? It was, a, it was a behavior modification, if you will, kind of idea. They were popular for a while. It was a good idea, but I think there's a better question and it, and it sounds like this. What would Jesus be thinking about this? And it, I think it's okay to ask, what would Jesus do? But we're supposed to arm ourselves with the thinking of Christ. We're supposed to remember we have the mind of Christ and that he transforms our thinking. Now, WWJBTAT is too much to remember, right? So it didn't take. What would Jesus do is easier to remember. But I'm going to challenge you to think that it doesn't have the same ring, but it points to a greater biblical truth. Because it's actually something we're told to do. I don't, I, don't, I don't know I can read in Scripture necessarily a Scripture that says, hey, Christian, remember, what would Jesus do? 
But I can find places in Scripture that say, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. What would Jesus think in this situation? So maybe that's something we need to carry with us into our day. When we're confused or we're, we're confronted by all of the things that are coming at us, voices and culture and problems and issues and friends and family and, and enemies and, and neighbors and coworkers and all the things that come at us, and we don't understand what's going on, we should be asking ourselves, what would Jesus think in this situation? And what did Christ think in this situation that, that, that we're talking about in 1 Peter? I believe it was this, that he would purpose in his own heart, in Christ's heart, to live only for the will of God, even if it meant suffering. That he would live only for the will of God. That's our challenge here. In setting apart Christ as Lord, we are in essence adopting the same attitude. Listen, that in all things, in all ways, in every circumstance, we live out the will of God. And that's something that Christ modeled for us over and over again. He always would point back to the Father and say, I I do what the Father does. I I think what the Father thinks. I say what the Father says. It's a model of how we should live because we have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, we think like Christ. Therefore, what do we do? We do what the Father does. We say what the Father says. We think what the Father thinks. We see what the Father sees. Can you say that this is true for you? that in all ways and in every circumstance that you live for the will of God, that you were, that you were always seeking to see and, and hear and, and understand and think what the Father is thinking. It's a pretty big order, right? It's like, you're like, wow, I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be able to say that in all things and in every way, I always understand and interpret everything and hear it through the lens of what would Jesus think? What does God think about this? But the fact is that we probably don't always do this. That's why Paul said, remember, Christ follower, you have the mind of Christ. That's why the author of 1 Peter says, arm yourself. Does anybody here arm themselves with something other than the mind of Christ? Maybe. Maybe we arm ourselves with cultural thinking. Maybe we arm ourselves with doubt or fear. Does anybody actually, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody carry a weapon or you have a weapon? You know who you are. Now everybody's like, who are you? We want to know. We want to know. You get up in the morning, you probably didn't take your gun to bed, but wherever it was, you got up and you put it in your pocket or your, your, your back or your holster or wherever, you know, maybe you carry a knife. I don't know. Some people, they arm themselves. And some of you are like, What? We don't carry guns to church. Peter, the author of 1 Peter and the author of Paul are reminding you to arm yourselves. It's an action. Think about it. If you had a gun, you'd have to actually arm yourself with it. That means stick it in a holster, stick it in a pocket, take it with you. What, is the, what, what does that mean you could potentially do? You could leave it at home. So the, the, the opportunity exists for you to go out into the world unarmed. It stands to reason that, that if we're being reminded that we should arm ourselves, the potential exists that we could go out into the world unarmed with the thinking of Christ. How often do you go out into the world unarmed with the thinking of Christ? 
And then we wonder why we don't understand what's going on and we're confused and we don't know how to respond and we don't know how to react and we don't know what to do with the things coming at us and we end up making bad choices. Listen to Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. It says, this is Paul again. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Listen to what he says. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand Think, understand what the will of the Lord is. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul talks again about the mind. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Worship. Listen to what he says. Do not be conformed to this world. Be armed with the thinking of Christ, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He's saying the same thing. He's saying the same thing again in different words. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't go out into the world unarmed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that the testing you endure may be able, that you may be able to discern what the will of God is. All right? You may be able to discern what the will of God is. Let these ideas wash over you. We'll kind of we'll compact these down into some simple sentences. Do not be foolish, but understand the will of God. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so you may discern the will of God. Do you see how this, this God thinking, this mind of Christ thinking that we are, we are told to arm ourselves with helps us to be transformed into the image of Christ? Arming ourselves with the mind of Christ and learning to think like Christ allows us to discern the heart of the Father. And that's what Jesus was doing when he said, I do what the Father does. I see what the Father sees. I go where the Father says go. If we were able to discern the heart of the Father, we would do the same. We're told to do the same. We're gifted to do the same. <laughs> the, over and over again, Scripture says to, to, to allow that kind of thinking to permeate our life so that we make right choices in following God. But we, we inevitably choose otherwise because we go out unarmed. We need to do this. We need to simply understand the good and pleasing and perfect will of God, and we do that by arming ourselves with the mind of Christ. Have you ever found yourself again in that situation you didn't understand what was going on? Arm yourself with the mind of Christ. And how do you do that? Yeah, there you're like, everybody's like, oh, we would love to do that. How do I do it, right? Tell me how to do it. Your love for God is such as it sounds like this love your god listen with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength how do you get the mind of christ <laughs> you love the lord your god with your heart your soul your mind your strength your everything that could be wrapped up into one word obedience if you think about the model christ made for us he heard what the Father said, and he did it. He went where the Father said go. Uh, the God of his Father said go, he went. Why did he do those things? Because he loved the Lord, Father, God, with everything he was. That's what he's calling us to be. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You go, you make disciples of all nations. You baptize them. You teach them to, to obey everything that, that God has said to do. Most of these passages we know, most of them we've heard. Some of us have even memorized them. But take note here, one of the keys to arming yourself with the thinking of Christ is to obey what he says to do. Another way 
is to devour this book. You want to know the thinking of God? You want to know the mind of Christ? You want to know when to go and when to stop, when to stay, when to move? Read this book. That's why we talk about it every week, and I remind you, get in line with our, our, not get in line, but (laughs) jump on board. How about that? Get in line. No. Jump on board. See how that goes? It's better. But jump on board with us. Read the scripture along with us. Read the same things we're reading. Then we can have discussions, and we can know it. We can understand it. And then when the Lord says, move to the church, we all hear in one voice and in unity, we move in the direction God leads us. You've ever been in a church that had fights? You ever been in a church that had disagreements, they had issues, they had disunity? Why? Because of this. Somebody in the church wasn't thinking like Christ. Somebody in that group didn't have the mind of Christ. They didn't go when the Father said go. They didn't stop when the Father said stop. Christ painted us and lived for us this model of doing and living out what His Father said to do. Now, here's the kicker. When we read the rest of this passage, there's a connection to what we talked about last week. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to read this again out of 1 Peter. The second part of what we read, 3 through 6 in chapter 4, says, For the time that, passes, that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, now he's talking about the, the natural world, the people in the natural world, it says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you, that's the Christ followers, do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. I looked that word up because we don't use that word anymore. <laughs> it just means um, wild, riotous living, parties, craziness, chaos. When we don't follow them into the same flood of chaos and wild living, they malign you. It says, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. This is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. This is where we get to this question again. Are you strange enough? Because this passage connects to last week. Remember, what happens is we're supposed to be strange enough that people notice. You have something different in your life. Tell me why. What is the hope that you're living according to? And we're supposed to be at all times and in every way ready to share the hope we have, right? That's one response. But here's a second response. You look so much like a Christ follower, people stop and say, why aren't you doing the things we do? Why aren't you drinking and sleeping around and cheating and lying in maligning and talking bad. Why, why, why don't you do the things we do? Why don't you join us? He's saying this is another response that when you don't do those things and they notice, instead of asking you, why do you have hope? They just trash you. They talk bad about you. They malign you. They say evil things about you. When you don't rush headlong into destruction, this time they, they say, why don't you join us in rec-? Anybody ever asked you? Join us in some reckless living. That's not usually how they ask, right? (laughs) It's like, hey, we're going to go to the bar. You want to come? Hey, we're going to go smoke some pot outside in the backyard. You guys want to join us? Whatever it is. Sin comes in many forms. And it comes in many invitations. But it doesn't usually come in the, hey, join us in some reckless living. 
But instead of asking you why, now they will defame you. They will shame you. They will tease you. They will destroy you. That's why this text, and that's why I, I titled the message, Are You Strange Enough? Are you strange enough to be noticed so that you have an opportunity to give hope? Are you strange enough so that you attract being defamed by the world, <laughs> being called out for the world? You know, that's something you don't want, right? We, we, don't, we don't want that. There's a saying, we lived in Poland, the, the, the nail that sticks up gets the hammer. It means if you are different, you're going to get nailed. <laughs> we don't want to be different. We don't want to stick out. We don't want to look to the world as if something's different. And, and we're afraid of that because we know that these two responses, and for some of them, they're equally scary. Either we'll have to share the gospel with them, and some of us are terrified at that prospect, or they'll hammer us because we're not like them, and we're scared of that too. So we, we, we don't want to be the, the tall nail. We don't want to draw the attention to the hammer. We don't want to get hammered. The text is saying to us, when you and I are viewed strangely because we don't live the self-destructive life of the world, that they will hate you for it. They will hate me for it. Now, a few years ago, and, and this is not political, so, so if you don't like the person I mentioned, just, you know, we're going, we're just using this as an example. Because it was on national television, it's a good example. There was a, an ABC TV show called The View. I never watch it. It may not even be on TV anymore. I don't know. It is. Okay. One of the panelists was, was Vice President Mike Pence, all right? Um, and, and he said on the show that he talks to Jesus and believes Jesus tells him things. Now, one of the people in the show, Joy Bear, may still be on the show. Like I said, I don't know. She said this in response to that. It's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness. That's what the world thinks about you. If you think you can read this word, that you can pray and hear from God, you're crazy. That's what the world really thinks about you. You're nuts. That's insane. Have you ever heard the voice of God speak to you in this book? Anybody want to be a nail that's going to get hammered? <laughs> I didn't hear you. Has anybody ever heard God speak through this book? I have. I've heard God speak through this book many times. Has, any, has God ever answered a prayer that you've prayed? Okay, this one's going to be weird. Have you ever heard the word, the, the voice of God audibly? Some of us have. There's stories in the scripture about this. Elijah, we read a couple years ago. Well, it hasn't been a couple, it's been maybe a year now. 1 Kings 19, page 171. Let's read it real briefly. Um, this is a story about Elijah. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read 11 through 13, chapter 19, page 171 in your pew Bible. And it says this. This is God speaking. He says, go, he's speaking to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke it into pieces. The rocks, uh, in pieces, the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after an earthquake, a fire, the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, the sound of a low whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in, a, in his cloak. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah heard God's voice. Paul, uh, Acts 9, page 535 in your pew Bible. 
9, 1 through 6. Paul in the New Testament, and we, we see stories all throughout the New and the Old Testament uh, of people that heard God's voice. Now in this day, Paul was called Saul. Uh, God names him or renames him later after his salvation, after his conversion. So when we say Saul, we're talking about Paul in his pre-conversion state, but we're going to start in chapter 9, verse 1, page 535 in your pew Bible. It says, but Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any people, any of those belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. Damascus, and suddenly from heaven shone around him a great light. <coughs> Excuse me. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now remember, this is post death, burial, resurrection, ascension. Christ is in heaven now. He's no longer a physical, alive body on earth. He's with God in heaven. He hears the voice of Jesus say, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you'll be told what to do there. And he did. He followed, he arose, he went into the city, he did what was instructed of him. It was clear in scripture that God speaks and people hear. It's clear. We are, as we were reminded at the very beginning of this message series in 1 Peter, we are exiles, we are strangers, we are foreigners, we are sojourners passing through this life and this journey and this place, and this place is not our home. You know, when we lived in Poland, we looked strange to them, for sure. Poland was strange to us. You know why? It wasn't our home. We were Americans, so it was so different and everything was different because it didn't, it didn't fit. They didn't say the things we thought they would say or do things we thought they would do. They didn't eat when we thought they should eat. We didn't, they didn't do anything the way we thought or, or, or had been up, you know, our upbringing had led us uh, to, to make certain assumptions about how people do things. Well, they did everything different. That's how it should feel for you and I here in Elmwood Park, in Chicago, in all the places where we live, Schiller Park, all around. It, it should feel weird to us. If it feels normal to you out in the world, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you are strangers. We are strangers. We are and, and should expect to be looked at as if we are weird and strange. And those are the two things that are going to happen when people are confronted with our Christ following. I, I would say Christianity, but even that, that word means so many things now in our culture. But I want to say as Christ followers, as those who are all in for Christ, those two things are going to come up. They're going to say, why are you that way? Opportunity to share the hope. Why are you that way? I hate you. Opportunity for suffering. Christ suffered. Again, we watch the model of Christ. What did he do in his suffering? You guys, what, what did he do? When he suffered for being Christ, when he suffered for being the, the Lord Jesus Christ on earth, what happened? He followed it. He went with it. He took it. He accepted it. The father said, that's your, that's your portion. 
I'll care for you. I love you. But you're going to go to the cross for all mankind. Our calling is similar. We're not going to a cross. But we suffer in carrying the mark of Christ in our body as as we have accepted Him as Lord and Savior. And we carry that to the world because we want them to know who Christ is and we need to be ready to accept one of those two things is going to happen. We have an opportunity to speak. We have an opportunity to suffer. We're strangers. We're exiles. I love Paul. He said we're ambassadors. Never forget that. An ambassador brings a strange message into a strange country. That's who you and I are. This shouldn't come to a surprise. The defining characteristic of a stranger is that they are strange. So I'm going to ask you again the same question that we started at the beginning. Are you strange enough? Are you strange enough? Are you recognized as strange in the world? Remember the story at the beginning. We stuck out in Poland and we were strange. You ever been anywhere you were strange? You know what that strangeness feels like. You are called to be strange. (laughs) As strange as that sounds, don't get comfortable with the here and now. Christ has something he's going to do with you and that he's going to do with me and that he's going to do with us as a church, as a body of Christ. Are you ready for it? It's going to require us to be strange. And it's going to require us to arm ourselves with the thinking of Christ. So now's the time you decide. Am I going to be serious about this? The world thinks we're crazy because we hear God speak. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. I'm going to be all in on that. Okay, that's, that's great. The world's going to hate us. That's okay. I would rather be all in than half and half. Stop hiding. Stop trying to be, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to stick out so I get hit. We put that aside, and we step wholly and completely before God, and we say, God, I'm yours. Maybe you need to recommit. Maybe it's a first-time commitment this morning. You say, first, for the first time, I understand this. I want to be a Christ follower, and you just ask where you are in your seat. Lord Jesus Christ, save me. Forgive me of my sin, past and present, and, and place me into your kingdom, kingdom that I will now walk and think like you. I will turn away from those past things and I will walk into your will. It says he will arm us with the mind of Christ. We'll be able to discern what God's will is and then the model of Christ will teach us how to walk into it. Or maybe you're already in Christ and you just need a kick in the butt this morning. <laughs> the author of First Peter gave us a kick in the butt. Paul has given us a kick. Jesus has given us a kick. So get after it. I've, ge- I've, I've given you the model. Listen to the Father. Look to the follow- Father. Follow the Father. Look at the model in Christ. Do what He did. Think like He thinks. So I'm going to pray. In your seats where you're at, just pray and ask the Father. If you need to ask Him to save you, ask Him to save you. If you need to ask Him 
to give you a kick, <laughs> ask him to give you a kick. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that you will move us from where we're at to somewhere else today, no matter where we are in our Christian journey, five years, 10 years, 20 years, zero years, in utero. We're not even there yet. We're still thinking. We're still praying. We still, we're still not sure about following Christ today. Wherever we're at, Lord, I pray that you move us a step closer. Lord, teach us to, to, to cast our eyes upon you, to watch you, to look for you, to listen for you. Lord, in, in Christ, help us to look to the Father. Christ gave us that model. The Father said, go. He went. Lord, teach us how to do that. When you say go, Lord, we go. When you say stop, Lord, we stop. When you say think this, Lord, we think this. When we don't know what to think, we look to you and we say, Lord, what do I think? Give us the mind of Christ. Lord, we know that it's a gift Paul talks about that we have. Lord, help us to arm ourselves with it. Lord, save us, wash us, cleanse us, place us into your kingdom. Uh, move us further down the road than where we are today. For your glory, for your honor, for your purposes, that we might honor the Father in all that we do, that we might obey him in love. And Lord, we thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, that he could be a model for us that we could know and understand. Lord, we thank you, God, for this word that teaches us that through the, the devouring of this word, we can have the mind of Christ. Lord, teach us what that means today and this week as we pray and as we talk to each other and as we read scripture over again and we go back through these passages, Lord, imprint them in our minds the mind is important to you. You wouldn't talk so much about it in Scripture if it wasn't. So, Lord, teach us these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to invite...